Good afternoon, my brothers and sisters. This is Pastor D coming to you live from out of Atlanta, Georgia. We want to welcome you to the Promise of Our Father podcast. And we want to welcome you back because there are some more great things that God is going to reveal to his people. We are going to continue where we left off in series two, episode one. We're going to do series two, episode two today. It's going to tie directly into episode one. So we ask that you continue to pay attention and take notes and have your sword with you when you're studying this word. Because we are unraveling and we are un we are un doing a lot of things that has been taught in the spirit of error. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 6, it explains to us the Antichrist comes to explain things and teach them in the spirit of error. But the spirit of truth and the promise of our Father that God has said, it says that this is the spirit of truth. If you believe that I have promised you eternal life, that you believe that I have given you eternal life, and that you believe that I am the bread of God that came down from heaven, from heaven. And if you eat of this bread, you shall not die and live forever. If you believe that the testimony of God in First John chapter five, verse eleven and twelve, he said that he said that I have given of my son. That if you believe that I have given my son to you, he says if you believe that, he says I have. I've given you eternal life. This is the ministry that we are dealing with. And if you're not ready for um ready for a change and start believing the truth about God, because in John chapter 12, verse 48, 49, and 15, this is the pattern that we should be teaching. Because in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he gave some apostles, pastors, preachers, and teachers. Huh? So therefore, if God gave me what he said he promised, I'm going to believe after the pattern he gave me the anointing. If I'm anointed as a pastor or a preacher, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to do with John chapter 12. Huh? Chapter 12, verse 4. 48 and 50 says, he said, if you deny me, that's all right. I, I don't mind you denying me. You're denying the word. He says that, but I'm letting you know the things that I'm about to teach and the things I'm about to speak, the things that I'm about to say. My father commanded me to teach and say these things. And I know that he commanded me to teach on everlasting and eternal life. So my father, this ministry here at Spiritual Cuts on the podcast, on, on the promise of our Father podcast, we teach about eternal life. How much more would it be or how much harder would it be to speak life over death in the dying world. It's easy to talk about something that you see because the scriptures even say, why hope for something that you see? Huh? There's nothing to hope for. But what a blessing it is for you to hope for something you have not never seen. So my brothers and sisters, since you have not never seen the Spirit of him and the promise of God, and he has given us eternal life, why not begin to start teaching and talking about eternal life? That's what Christ was teaching. Christ even came to teach Jesus about eternal life. Whether you want to believe that or not, but if you listen to these podcasts, from the Promise of Our Father podcast, you began to understand 
why we are teaching the way we are teaching because our teaching comes from Christ. Because in Matthew 23 verse 8, it says that in Christ is our teacher and God is our father. So now you have to believe that in John 6.45, we are all taught and learned by God. And God, we are all taught and learned by God through the spirit of Christ. So even Christ had to be learned and taught by God according to John chapter 8 verse 28. He says that the things I'm talking to you about, the things that I'm teaching you about, my brothers and sisters, Pharisees and Sadducees, he says that I am taught, even I am teaching you from what I've been taught about God. Here at Spiritual Cuts Ministry and the Promise of Our Father podcast, we like to use scriptures because our foundation is based off of what God has taught us from out of the scriptures. He talks about the scriptures from Moses. He talked about the scriptures from the Psalms. He talked about the scriptures from the prophets. So my brothers and sisters, if you hear me reciting scriptures, and every now and then I might mess one of them up, but don't worry about it. Just look where you're supposed to look look and get the truth of the matter because it ain't about me trying to make everything correct. It's about me making everything right with God. Because the fact of the matter, you can judge me on how I speak and deliver this message and miss out on everything that God has called me and you to be in and have and to do. But I want you to know God is doing something through the Spiritual Cuts ministry, through the Spiritual Cuts leaders and all the things that he's doing in this ministry. But if you try to interpret how we deliver and speak and deliver the message. Even Moses stuttered or lied and said he did. I could say some things, my brothers and sisters, and I'm going to just keep on going. I'm going to tell you right now, you might judge me on how I deliver and pronounce these words, but that doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that you get the revelation, knowledge, and understanding of the message that God, he says in Isaiah 28, he said, Isaiah 28, verse 9 and 10, he says that, who am I going to get to teach knowledge? I will, Father. He said, who am I going to get to understand the message? I understand, Father. He says, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. He said, those who are weaned off of milk, he said, I can get them to understand the message. I can get someone who comes into the knowledge of the message of the glory that I'm spreading the earth. He says, I can get them to teach my knowledge and my glory and let them understand the message of eternal life. But so many times, my brothers and sisters, we have been taught from a parable. We have been taught things that is not even holy now necessary to be taught because we've been taught them for so long. It's already in us. We got to bring the church and the members to another dimension and another and another place in God because God wants us to be one with him. According to John 17, when Christ was praying, he says, take them not out of the world. In John 17, 15, he says, don't take them from out of the world, but teach them about the evil one. He says, let them be one with me, Father, as I am one with you. He says, the one you have given me, that I have given eternal life. He says, let them be one with me in you as they were one with us in the before the foundation of the world. So this is what this message is all about, my brothers and sisters. So if you find yourself <coughs> hearing some things that you never heard before, is because of the Spirit of God is revealing to the church 
what needs to be said in this desperation of time. Without further ado, let's go to scriptures, John 20, verse 19 through 22, as we did before. Amen. In John 20, John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Christ came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Christ said to them again, Excuse me, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. That is heavy, brothers. As the Father has sent me, I send you. When you began to understand, he just came through the doors that were shut. And the Father says, as the Father, and Christ was saying to the disciples, as the Father has sent me, I send you. That is powerful because now he's in another form in his body that he's telling them that he's God sent him in. He's given it to us to be in as he sent. And then he goes to say in verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them, head glory, and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is heavy all within itself because a lot of times he breathes something on them. Now, you got to go back to Genesis 2-7. When Genesis 2-7 and the, and, and, and the Lord God, who was Christ, see, Christ doing the same thing again that he did in Genesis. Christ said, mm, and the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils. Uh-oh, that we go to that we go to hear the word breathe again. So and he breathed on them, the Holy Spirit. So when he breathed initially on them, and when he breathed on them, he was referring back to what he did in Genesis 2-7, but he was doing something totally different. By the time we finish this sermonic presentation, we may find just out how and what and exactly who it was that he breathed on them as the Holy Spirit. I want to tag or title this again, my brothers, the bodies through the doors that was shut, part two. The bodies through the doors that was shut, part two. In the last episode, we, does, we discussed many infallible proofs of Christ while and during his 40 days in the earth, teaching his disciples about things that were pertaining to the kingdom of God. We discovered in Matthew 6.33 that we need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that he was adding all these things to the bodies that came through the six-inch doors on the first day of the week and appeared to his disciples. We also discovered in Matthew 13.11 and Mark 4.11 that doing Christ's teaching on the seed, that he was telling the disciples to know, huh? His disciples to know that it is very important and very imperative that you know or must have the knowledge of the mystery of the kingdom of God. 
When believers and Christians don't know or don't have the knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of God, it is in essence insinuate that they are still taught in parables. I was looking at a message last night, my brothers and sisters. Let me tell you something. I I I, I listened to this message from a very powerful, from a very uh, 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 well-renowned, a real well-known pastor that most people know. But I won't call his name because I'm not gonna throw rocks and hide hands. But I'm gonna tell you something. I read. I saw him teach the scriptures without even having his Bible in his hand. I saw him teach the scriptures, and it did not edify the body of the people. He had over 20 to 30,000 members in his church and he was up there teaching through the world. Huh? And it never matched up with them understanding the mystery of the kingdom of God. So when you are actually doing it as a pastor, preacher, or teacher, and I did that when I first came into ministry ministry before I come into the knowledge of who God is. Let me tell you something, my brother. I was on fire. Yeah. And didn't even know I was on fire on the wrong end of the stick. Hmm? Because it wasn't burning nothing. It wasn't doing anything. It was just a sensation that I had as a feeling. It was just something that I thought I was doing to please God when I realized the teaching of Christ came through what God says he need to teach on, which was eternal life in John chapter 12, as I said uh, earlier. When you're not teaching on eternal life, because the battle we are in, the warfare that we are in is not corner but mighty through God, huh? But I want you to, it's pulling down strongholds. The only stronghold that we need to be pulling down or be teaching on is the spirit of death. Hmm? Because death is going to be the last enemy to be destroyed. And if death is the last enemy to be destroyed, in Luke in chapter Luke, in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, he says, and I give you all the power over the last enemy. So he gave us all the power over death, and yet we are not even teaching on what we have power over. Man, if you'd have heard that message last night. And I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm not against what they're teaching because we all must teach from a perspective of where we at. But when you come into the knowledge, when you understand that Christ is your teacher and that we all are taught by God, it takes on a new meaning. So, in other words, if you're not being taught or haven't, if you have not learned the knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of God, it just might be insinuating that you're being taught in parables wherever you're being taught at. We learn also through the teaching of Christ in our last episode exactly what is the kingdom of God is and what is the righteousness of God. Through scriptures in Luke 9, 24, excuse me, in Luke 9, in Luke chapter 9, verse 25 and 32, Christ taught his disciples precisely how the kingdom of God was manifested on the scene. He told his disciples before some of you in Luke chapter 9, verse 24, 25, 26. Let's go back there and check it out. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but I'm getting to where I want to be in because I'm going through what we did in the last episode. He told his disciples before some of you taste death in Luke 9, 25. 
huh? Before some of you taste death, you shall see the kingdom of God. And then eight days later, he, as Christ transformed or transfigured the body of Jesus into the glory of God. Right in the presence of Peter, John, and James, after the transfiguration of the body of Jesus, and he removed, and Jesus was removed out of the flesh and blood in his body, Moses and Elijah showed up in glory to speak to Jesus pertaining his death. How we know that Jesus was not in flesh and blood after the transfiguration? Because scriptures teaches us that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And if Jesus was born of a woman and the scripture says he came by water and he came by blood, not just by water and not just by blood, he came by water and blood. And even Jesus could not inherit the kingdom of God through flesh and blood. Unless something miraculous took place in his body while he was in the flesh and blood during the transfiguration. Because in First Corinthians chapter and First Corinthians 15 and uh, verse 50 says, Now this I say to you, brothers and sisters, huh, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor can or nor can corruption inherit it in corruption. If flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, how did the body of Jesus, while he was supposedly supposedly being in flesh and bone or flesh and blood, or better yet, what happened in the transfiguration after Christ prayed and the appearance of Jesus' face altered and his robe became white and glistering? What happened for him to be able to inherit the kingdom of God? Something miraculous had to take place. But first we need to remember that it was Christ who is now in charge of the body of Jesus. And this happened during the baptism of Jesus in Luke chapter 3 verse 21 and 22. And God said, this is my beloved son in whom, in whom I am well pleased. So once that is understood, we can explain now what happened during the transfiguration, or we can explain now huh, what happened when the countenance of Jesus' appearance changed. To get a better understanding of what happened during the transfiguration, we have to go back to the first miracle Christ performed in the body of Jesus. His first miracle in the body of Jesus is that he changed the water into wine. Remember, so when he performed his first miracle with the water and the wine, he was setting a, he was setting the first example, or he was setting the first of the first miracle with the water and the blood of Jesus that was in his body. Because in First John chapter five verse five says, "This is he who who Jesus who come by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. It is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. So this let us know that Jesus could not inherit the kingdom of God unless something miraculous took place." 
Well, during the transfiguration, when Christ was in the body of Jesus, just like he performed the first miracle when he changed the water into wine, he is now, or he has now, changed the water and the blood in the body of Jesus into the spirit and the flesh or the body and the bones of God. Come on. Y'all got to get with me in this mountain. This afternoon, my brothers and sisters, because we finna go so long. How we know that he changed the flesh, the bones, and the body, and the and, and the and, and the body and the bones of God are Jesus. How we know that? Because in Ephesians chapter five, verse thirty. We are members of Christ's body and members of his flesh and members of his bones. We are, as Christ is, is members of. As Christ is, as Jesus was, we are now, as Christ is, his members of his bones, his body, his flesh. We are, as Christ and Jesus were. See, Jesus was in the flesh and bones. Jesus, excuse me, Jesus was in the flesh and blood. But Christ transformed in the transfiguration the water and the first miracle in the blood and the water of the body of Jesus, he performed it so that these things that we are reading about can take place. So when the transfiguration and the kingdom of God was manifested, Jesus was not in flesh and, and, flesh and blood. He couldn't inherit it what God was saying because we read in the scriptures during this transfiguration that took place in Luke 25 32, the body of Jesus and his flesh and bone has transformed into the kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom of God? And when did the transfiguration of Jesus' body transition into the kingdom of God? There was two men who was Moses and Elijah who appeared in glory. And later, Peter, one of Christ's disciples, he had promised earlier that before some of you who are standing here shall taste death, until you, you until before you, you uh, that standing here shall not taste death, hmm, until you see the kingdom of God. So Christ was telling him that that's some of you standing here today. That's some of you who are out there listening to this message. Hey, glory. That's listening to this message. You shall not taste death until you see the kingdom of God. In Luke 9, 32, it says, But Peter and those who were with him was heavy asleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory. So when the transfiguration was taking place, the glory of God put Peter and them to sleep because it was too much for them to handle. Just like when he told Moses, when Moses in Exodus 33, 18 says, Lord, show me your glory. So God took his hand and showed Moses, huh? He passed Moses and put his hands over him and showed him his backside. But it was a picture of Moses being asleep periodically, huh? But in a twinkling of an eye, the kingdom of God was manifested because Moses saw the backside, but he saw the glory of the backside of God. But in a twinkling of an eye, 
Peter, John's, and James had to go to sleep when Christ went to praying. When Christ went to praying and transforming the body of Jesus, Christ had to put the disciples to sleep through the prayer. Hey, glory. So now when they were fully awake, meaning that when they came from out of the nap that they was taking, he said to them, hey, Peter said, whoa, and he saw his glory. Jesus and he saw the two men, Moses and Elijah, glory, who was with them. So Peter saw their glory in verse 27. Luke 9, 27 says, watch. He said, Christ said to them, there are some of you, Peter. There are some of you, James. There are some of you, John, that are standing here, shall not taste death until you see the kingdom of God. And Peter saw his glory. They saw Christ's glory. So now we have a picture of what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is his glory. Uh-oh. Come on. So now in Matthew 6.33, when we read this from now on, you will know what the kingdom of God is. You know that it is his glory. Now what is happening, now what is his righteousness if we have learned what his glory is? Because you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How huh? can seek first the kingdom of God along with his righteousness? If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he says he'll add these things to you. What things that God is trying to add to you and add to me that he's trying to give us to have? Well, let's continue to read and find out what is the righteousness of God is first. We learn in Proverbs the righteousness of God. He says in Proverbs 12, 28, he says, in the way of righteousness is eternal life. And in the pathway, there is no death. So now, my brothers, in Proverbs 21, 28, it said that if you follow after righteousness, you shall find eternal life. You shall find glory. You shall find the power of the Spirit of God. If you follow after eternal life, he says you will be following the pattern of Christ. He says now you know what the righteousness of God is. That is in the way of righteousness is eternal life. And in the pathway there is no death. And when you follow after righteousness, there is no death. You find eternal life. You find honor. You find mercy. Now we find out in Matthew 6.33 is saying we should be seeking for us. We should be seeking for our daily bread. Our daily bread is his glory. Our daily bread is eternal life. The life of God is his glory that we should be seeking for first. We should all be seeking for the glory and the life of God that he has given us through the eternal life of his son, Christ Jesus. In order for him to add the bodies that came through the doors that were shut, that God created and made in his own image and his own likeness uh, huh, on the sixth day before he rested on the seventh day. Now, this is just a recap <laughs> of series two, episode one. If you haven't listened to it yet, 
You have to go back and do so, my brothers and sisters. Amen. Now, since the teaching of Christ, <coughs> excuse me, has revealed to us what is the knowledge of the mystery of the kingdom of God. Now we need to realize where the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God is located in us. And we have to attach, we have to attach it to the body that came through the six-inch doors that was shut. Before we do that, let's look at Luke 17, 20 and 21. In Luke chapter 17, verse 20, now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, jokers. See, people are going to ask you things about why you believe in eternal life because they don't have a clue why you believe in it. So they're going to ask you because now you know what the kingdom of God is. They're going to ask you what the righteousness of God, because now you know what the righteousness of God is. They're going to ask you of these things that God is. See, all our life we've been taught, been taught that God is going to add a house and a car and a, and a, and, and a good job. And you know what I mean? He's going to add a good this and a good that. But see, God was always trying to add himself because he says, I'm going to be your people. I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people in Hebrews chapter 10. So therefore, in Hebrews chapter 8, uh, and therefore, in Hebrews chapter 5, when God was speaking these things to our glory and in our hearing, he wanted us to know, hey, I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. He says, I'm going to cast your sins as far as the east from the west, and I'm going to remember them no more. The problem we have is that we always remember what we do and not what God is doing. Mm, I got to get out of that. So in Luke chapter 4, Luke 17 verse 20 says, look here jokers, don't be asking me these silly questions, Pharisees and Sadducees, about when the kingdom of God is going to come. He said it doesn't come with observation. When I looked up the word observation, it is an act of instant of noticing or perceiving something. Huh? So in retrospect, the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God does not come with an act of instant of noticing or perceiving something. Whoa, come on. This is a powerful concept. Why? Because if it does not come as an act of, inst act of instance of noticing or perceiving something, that is telling us. We have to have the knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of God and know that God has given us his glory and eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ, huh? who came through the doors, who came through the six-inch doors that were shut on the first day of the week. So let's continue reading in Luke chapter 17. Verse 21. Now, when he was asked about the Pharisees, when he was asked about the Pharisees, hey, look at Joker, I ain't got time to be asking you when the kingdom come. The kingdom is coming out this uh, observation. In Luke 17, 21, now will they say? He says in Luke 21, he says, nor will they say it doesn't come with observation. And he says, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God, Joker, 
Huh? The reason I believe in eternal life and I believe in the glory of God as the righteousness and the kingdom is because it is within me. You shall be my people and God shall be our God. Whatever God is and whatever he created us in his image and in his likeness as a male and a female on the sixth day, he says that you shall be my people and I shall be your God and my spirit, which is the glory of God and the eternal life that I have given you. He says it shall be within you. Come on. So now, if it doesn't come with observation, it has to come in another form. This is heavy because we have something in our bodies and in our minds that, del that will deliver us from this body of death. So we have to go to Romans chapter 7 and see who, hey, that we have in this body that can deliver us from this body of death. In Romans chapter 7, verse 24, it says, O wretch man, let me say that again. In Romans chapter 7, verse 24, it says, O wretch woman that I am, who will deliver us from this body of death? So that's a question that has been opposed to me and you. That has to, that is necessary for an answer to be given. So the scriptures can't ask you something that it does not solidify by giving you the correct answer. And a lot of time we go by what people say because we believe and we praise men because people praise men more than they praise God, according to John chapter 12, huh, verse 43. But Isaiah says, I saw him in his glory before the glory even showed up. But he says, I'm going to let you know when you begin to teach and speak and teach on the glory and the eternal life of God that I told him to teach in John 12, huh? verse 48 and 15. And when you see in John 12, verse 43 and 42, he says, Isaiah and saw his glory, but he says that people will praise men more than they will praise God. So by time they got to where he started teaching and telling them I was commanded to teach eternal life, they got mad and say, I'll praise a man. But I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, the witness of men. Hey, glory is not greater than the witness of God. And if you believe in the witness of God, your witness is true and the witness of men is a lie. So men try to make God witness out of a lie because God has given us of his son and his son has given us eternal life through the spirit of God, through the bodies that came through the doors. Hey, who can deliver us from this body of death? The body that came through the doors. On the first day of the week, he says, These bodies will deliver us from this body of death. 
He says in verse 25 in Romans chapter 7, he says in Romans chapter 7, verse 25, I thank God through our Lord Jesus. Hold up. I thank God through our Lord Jesus. Now, Jesus has become Lord as Christ. He said, I thank God as the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God. So now Christ has made Jesus Lord because Jesus' body has become the Lord through Christ. So now he says, I thank God because God has given us the Lamb of God through the body of Jesus to take away the sins of the world, but he has used that container as a body with Joseph of Amathea and, 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 and Nicodemus brought to the tomb and the sculpture, sculpture, and they said that and no one knew but them too. So therefore, when they got there, Christ was waiting and the Holy Spirit was waiting for that body. They dressed up and they said, I thank God through our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ at this time when that body got to the tomb this is when Jesus became the Lord I, huh? The Jesus became the Lord Jesus Christ but I want you to know this is when Jesus became the son of God his name was changed back to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was named Jesus and now Jesus' name went back to the Holy Spirit. We remember when he says, and he came through the doors that were shut, and he spoke and said, peace be unto you, and he breathed upon them, and he says, huh, receive the Holy Spirit. He was talking about him as the word who is Christ that was bear witness in heaven with God, the Father, the Son, excuse me, the Father, and the Word, and the Holy Spirit. So now the Holy Spirit has changed name from Jesus. So Jesus is now become back to the Holy Spirit. Now these two are waiting for the bodies and he says, who can deliver us from this body of death? These two bodies that came through the doors that were shut. My brother and sister through the six doors that were shut after he was resurrected from the dead. These are the bodies that can deliver us from this body of death. Now we have a scenario going on. Because the question has been answered, who can deliver us? I thank God. Hat glory. Do you thank God out there, my brothers and sisters, that God sent his son, Christ Jesus? God sent his son, Jesus, as the begotten son, and he brought his beloved son, that he came down from heaven through 42 generations, and he came and scooped up the body that he made out of flesh and called it Jesus. He came, scooped him up. Mm. My brothers and sisters, when it was raised through the, from the dead on the third day, these are the two bodies that deliver us from the body of death. Then it go on to say in Romans, Romans chapter 7, verse 24 and 25, so then, uh-oh, after these two bodies do something, so then we have to continue to do something to maintain with those two bodies and with Christ breathed on us. And he says, as the Father has sent me, I send you glory. So now we're in a body that God has sent Christ to breathe on us. This body is a picture of the body that was breathed on from the dust of the ground of the earth. But now this body is in another form. 
Hey, I got to get into that. So now it says in Romans chapter 24, huh? It says, so then with the mind myself, I serve the law of God, the law of the spirit of the life of God. With the mind, myself, the law, I serve the law of the spirit of the life of God that's in Christ. With the mind, I serve myself, huh? The law of the spirit of the life of God that is in Jesus. So the law of the life of the spirit of God had to be in both of them. In Romans chapter 8, he says, And the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, and the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is manifest manifested in your mortal body to bring forth immortality so that you can live forever and not die. But you have to understand the process and how these body came into existence. He says this body, huh, that the law of the spirit of the life of God that is in Christ, that is in Jesus, but those who are taught parables serve with flesh and blood. These are they that serve the law of sin and death. Come on. Now in Luke 17, verse 20 and 21 says that I cannot serve the, uh, the kingdom of God through observation huh? or through an act of instant noticing or perceiving something and our body need to be delivered from death. <clears throat> it's going to take for us as Christians and believers to get into a place in God where our flesh and blood cannot exist. Boy, this is heavy. We're going to have to get in a place in God where our flesh and blood cannot exi exist. Because I want you to know in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it says that the corner mind can, the corner mind, huh? To be carnally minded is life. It's to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and immortality. And it says that the carnal mind cannot perceive and is enmity against God, and it cannot perceive who God is because it's an enemy. And then it says that, but you cannot please God in the flesh. Let me go back to that again. And it says that, look, who can deliver us from this body of death? And Christians and believers has to be in a place in God where our flesh and blood cannot exist. He says that you cannot please God in flesh and blood. You cannot please God in the water and the blood, Jesus. You cannot inherit it, the of kingdom of God through water and blood. You cannot inherit it, uh, the kingdom of God through flesh and blood. So now we see we cannot be in a place where flesh and blood exists, but it's scripture teaches us you cannot please God in it through flesh and blood in the flesh. Huh? So then the next verse, Romans 8 and 9, you got to go back and read that, my brother. It's some heavy stuff. He says that, watch this here. He says to me and you, he says, check this out, my son. He says that, but you are not in the flesh, glory, but in the spirit. He says, but if the spirit. 
spirit of him and the spirit of the promise of our father, if the spirit of Christ is not in you, you are none of his. See, you can be born again through confessing with your mouth with Jesus, but you may not have to learn Christ because you have not come into the spirit of Christ. Even Jesus had to confess with his mouth and believe in his heart that God sent his beloved son to rescue the begotten son in order for him to receive the promise that God says, if you have not so learned Christ, hey, glory, as the truth is in Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 and 21, as the truth is in Jesus, who the spirit of truth, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God, his son has to be in you. Oh, you are none of his, but you are not in the flesh. So let me continue. If this is the case, if we exist in a place where our flesh and blood cannot exist, we are going to have to renew the spirit of our mind and put on the new man and put on the new woman that is created after God. In Ephesians 4, verse 22, excuse me, Ephesians 4, 23 says, and being renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man. Let me read that again. And being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24 says, and that you put on the new woman, which was created and made according to God in true righteousness or true eternal life and true holiness or in true spirit. So therefore, and furthermore, if you don't put on in the spirit of your mind that what God made in his image and his likeness on the sixth day that Christ breathed in the body that was from the dust of the ground. You could never perceive the body, the body that came through the doors that was shut. He says, put on the new man. Uh-oh, I serve the law of God through the mind of the spirit of the life that is in Christ. I serve the law of God in my mind through the spirit of the life of God that's in Jesus. So therefore, renewing the spirit of my mind has everything to do with the existence of knowing that I'm not in flesh and blood, but I'm in the spirit of him and the spirit of the promise of God. So therefore, my brothers and sisters, and being renewed in the spirit of the mind, and that you put on the new man, put on the new woman, which is created with God made in Genesis 1.26 and 1.27, when he made man after his own image and after his own likeness, and he created man. He made a man, and he created a man, and then he made the man he created, and he created a man he made, and he put him together and he said, this is a male and female. He said, I need you to breathe this into the body that is coming from out of the dust, the earth. And I want you to breathe the life which is big so they can become a living soul. See, the first Adam was a living being, but I want you to know the second Adam was a life-giving spirit. So the second Adam that breathed in the first Adam was given life eternal to the life being of the person that was breathing, I, that was breathing before he received the living soul, which is the body of God, the body of Christ, and the body of the Holy Spirit that God made and created from out of Genesis 1-1. Oh, my brother. 
Now we are dressed and clothed with something that God created and made in his own image and his own likeness as a male and female that he made without hands on the sixth day. Why would Christ tell us and teach us this? Look what he teached to Thomas. Why would he ask Thomas these questions, these things that we are about to speak on? Amen? My brothers and sisters, we're going to have to get into this here because the fact of the matter, we have to understand that God is doing something in Genesis 1, 26 and 27 on the sixth day before he rested. But there is a prerequisite or a requirement must be in place before we can put on these two bodies that came through the doors that were shut on the first day of the week. We must renew the spirit of our mind because God give us a body that was made without hands that he created in his own image and his own likeness on the sixth day before he rested. This is the same two bodies that came through the doors that were shut on the first day of the week. This is the same body that Christ told Thomas in John 20, verse 29. And Christ said to Thomas, Thomas, you believe in this body that came through the six-inch doors that was shut. And because you touched it, you felt it, you seen it, that's why you believe. But blessed is he, or blessed is her, or blessed is she, or blessed is them, and those who are in the new generation who have never touched me, have never felt me, have never seen me, and yet they believe. Huh? Why would Christ tell and teach his disciples this to Thomas? Why would he teach this to Thomas? Why would he teach him to touch the kingdom of God? Because he knew that we would not get the chance to see the kingdom of God through observation or through an act of instance of noticing or perceiving something. But we, who are part of the new generation, would have to believe and know or have the knowledge of the kingdom of God within us. And this is a picture of us putting on the new man. This is a picture of, of us putting on the new woman, which is created and made in the image and the likeness of God. He made with our hands on the sixth day through the body of Christ and the body of the Holy Spirit in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. He made from the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1, 1. And these two bodies are the bodies we serve, the law of the spirit of the life of God that's in the body of Christ, the law of the spirit of the life of God that's in the body of Jesus that we need to renew. We need this bodies, these bodies to renew the spirit of our minds according to these two bodies that came through the six inch doors that were shut on the first day of the week after Christ in Jesus' body was resurrected from, the, resurrected from the dead on the third day. After Christ did all his teaching, 
prior to final to the final manifestation of the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is within you, he now had to perform what he had promised his disciples. Huh? So now he has to reveal what he had the what he had promised the kingdom of God being within you. Now it has to be revealed. Let's go to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. Amen. Let's do a brief summary of events after he rose from the dead. Peter didn't find him at the tomb. He went back and told the disciples, but there was two of them was already heading on the road, Emmaus, not too far from Jerusalem. He appeared among them, but their eyes was restrained, so they did not know him. He let them talk and run their mouth, and finally he spoke to them and said to them, O foolish ones, while you slow to while you slow to believe in your heart, all these things you would talk. He said to them, Should not the Christ had suffered these things and entered into his glory? Or in other words, should not the Christ should not, should not have entered into the kingdom of God? Then he began teaching them and expounding them beginning at Moses and the prophets and all the things that was in the scriptures pertaining to himself. In the reading, he was teaching about himself because he had to teach him about coming through the doors that were shut in Genesis and how it actually took place. He was teaching him that the Holy Spirit had flesh before the word became flesh. He was teaching him that I am the spirit or the celestial body that was put in the flesh that the Holy Spirit was made. And God took his spirit and made us out of him as the father, the word and the Holy Spirit that bear witness with me or him in the beginning. So he had to explain that when Moses was the one that wrote the Pentateuch, the first five books of this Bible. Huh? He wrote Genesis. He wrote Exodus. He wrote the, uh, uh, Leviticus. He wrote the books of Numbers. So he wrote these books so that we would have a clear understanding who, who Christ was. You know Moses was even teaching in Genesis 3 about eternal life? It was Moses' writing that we be reading, and we don't even understand why Christ says that he's began to expound beginning at Moses. He had to begin at Moses because in Genesis 3.21, and he says that after the Father had clothed them or put tonic on them, they have become like one of us. See? So they have become like the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was dressed in flesh. Mm. And the word later on became flesh, so they have become like one of us. So now the one of us had to be Jesus in the flesh before it was named Jesus. It was named the Holy Spirit, the word who was Christ and the Father. So when he said that, to know to have the knowledge of good and evil, unless they put their hands to the tree of eternal life and eat and live forever again. So therefore, Living forever has always been, but pastors, preachers, and teachers, and bishops have not learned so Christ to teach up on what God is revealing. 
So here at the Promise of Bible Father podcast, if you can't handle the truth, you might as well go back to the parable because the parable is not the truth. The parable has truth in it, but it's not the full truth of the gospel of Christ that came through the doors that were shut. So now when he says, I'm talking about the prophet Isaiah, I'm talking about the prophets Jeremiah, I'm talking about the prophet, all these different prophets, Habakkuk, he says that I will spread in the earth the glory, hmm? the knowledge of the glory as the water covers the sea. So he speaks on these things in the Psalms, in Psalms 12, 28, he says, in the way of righteousness is eternal life. He says in Psalms 21, 21, he says, uh, excuse me, he says in Proverbs 21, 21, and he says in Proverbs 12, 28, let me get it straight. He says, in the way of righteousness, there's eternal life. And if you follow after it, I get so run up, my brothers. So Christ was teaching on something that night. He was teaching them on the road, and he was telling them about this. And the time had drew near after he began to expound on all these things. And the time when it was getting to begin, it was beginning to be night was about to fall, or the sun was about to set, as we understand it. So he played them, and he be and they begged him to come and have dinner at their house. Now let's pick up the rest of the message in Luke for uh, Luke twenty four. Uh, but Luke twenty four verse thirty, because usually I say Luke forty nine. Luke twenty four forty nine is the promise of our Father that he would be that we would be endowed with. But Luke twenty four. My brother, verse 30 and 32 says, Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, he took, blessed it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes was opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Come on. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road? And while he opened the scriptures to us? So the scriptures supposed to bring us to a place where our eyes become open to God. But if the scriptures never bring us to a place where we can perceive who God is, we are only in a place where the scriptures is teaching us the parables of who God was. Because who God is and who God was is never different. But the thing of it is, if you don't leave where he was, he can't bring you to who he is because you don't want to leave into a place where he's trying to bring you out into the deep. So now we understand about these three things. It can Came to pass where he sat at the table. Let's take a closer look at what actually took place during this event. First, we need to recognize that Christ was sitting at their dining table in their house, who let who let's not forget was invited as a guest. But scripture tells us he sat at their table with them. He took bread, blessed it, he took and broke it, and he took it and gave it to them after he blessed it and broke it. And then their eyes were open and they knew him. Have you ever asked yourself or have you ever thought about exactly? what happened to the bread Christ took and broke and gave to them. Apparently something miraculous took place during this event or process when he took the bread, blessed the bread and broke it and gave it to them. Huh? So
So Christ took the bread and just like he performed the first miracle in John 2 verse 9 when he changed the water into wine, Christ took the bread and just like he prayed in Luke 9 29 and the appearance of Jesus countenance or the appearance of his face was changed or altered and his robe became glistering and white or when Christ changed the water and the blood of Jesus into the glory of God's body to appear in the presence of Moses and Elijah who was in glory to tell Jesus about his death at the cross. Now the same thing happened in the presence of the disciples when he took bread, broke it, blessed it, and gave it to them. Remember in John 6, 48, when Christ was teaching the disciples, he said to them, I am the bread of eternal life. In John 6, 49, he said, your fathers them ate in the wilderness, huh, manna, and are dead. So something they ate that they were supposed to be eating, this manna was actually supposed to be the bread of God, because you got the bread of God, and you got the bread of life. Since they didn't want the bread of God, God said, I send my son Christ as the bread of life. So the bread of life that came down in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, 22, when he baptized and he became the beloved from out of the begotten, he began to understand that this is the bread that came down, the living bread that came down from heaven. Huh? That one may eat of and not die. So when he came upon Jesus in the body that he was formed from the word in the flesh of Mary, he says that you are now, you should eat of this bread and not die and live forever again. So even Jesus' body had to go through the process our bodies has to go through. So now let's continue reading in John chapter 6. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eat of this bread, he or she will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So their eyes was open to eternal life. When Christ broke break, he broke, he broke, blessed, and gave them the bread. Hey, glory. So when he gave them the bread, broke break, and my God, when he broke break and he blessed it and gave it to them, their eyes was open. If their eyes was already open, they had to be open to something greater. So now, my brothers and sisters, he says, you shall live forever. We are witnessing the bread. In Luke 24, 30 through 32, he gave his disciples that he blessed, that he broke it. That he gave it to them. But something unusual, unusually happened after he broke it. He blessed it and gave it to them. Their eyes was open in Luke 24, 31. They knew him. He vanished from their sight. There are three powerful truths in this one verse. Their eyes was open. They knew him. And he vanished from their sight. Let's see what it means for the disciples to say their eyes. Let's see what the scriptures mean for the disciples' eyes to be open. If their eyes was already open when Christ broke and he blessed and he gave them the bread, if their eyes was already open 
What was their eyes open to? In fact, if they were already open. Let's go to Genesis 3, 6, verse 7. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. So when the woman, we know as Eve, saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of it. She took of the fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband, who we know as Adam, with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sold figs leaves together and made themselves covering. Come on. I asked the question again, and I asked the question early, if both of those, uh, both of them eyes was open to see the fruit or the unforbidden fruit they ate, what was their eyes open to if they was already open? Come on. You got to be kidding me, Pastor Dave. You got to be kidding me. What do you mean by all this here? Now, whatever happened in Luke 9.31 has to do has to tie directly into Genesis 3, chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. So let's see what occurred, or let's see what happened in these two events where both their eyes was open. Especially if both their eyes was open already before they were open again. Let's start in the beginning. When the woman in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, who we know as Eve, ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and along with the man who we also who also ate, who we know as Adam, their eyes was open to something their body didn't need. Because their bodies already had the body of Christ and the body of the Holy Spirit that God made and created from the heavens and the earth and put his spirit into these two bodies. And after making these two bodies into his own image and to his own likeness, he created he them male and female on the sixth day. And after he created and made his son Christ, which is the Word and His Son, the Holy Spirit, in His own image and His own likeness after He rested on the seventh day. How we know this? Because in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 says, For there are three that bear witness in the heavens, the Father, the Word, which is Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Come on, these three are one which was created and made on the sixth day in God's own image and in God's own likeness for the purpose of us who was formed in a body from the dust of the ground for Christ as the Lord God who formed man from the dust of the ground and that breathed into the nostrils. Huh? The man from the dust of the ground became a living soul question. Have you ever asked yourself what exactly did Christ breathe into the nostrils of the man that he formed from the dust of the ground when he really, when you really think about it? In Genesis 2, 7, the man that Christ formed from the dust of the ground was alive when Christ breathed into his nostrils. But for the man to become a living soul, something else had to happen for this to take place. Remember in Luke 24, in Luke chapter 2, in Luke 
And, the, and remember in Luke chapter 9, excuse me, in Luke chapter 9, verse 25, and in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. You remember when Christ was teaching and he asked a question. He says, for what will a man? You remember when Christ was teaching in Luke chapter 9, verse 25, in Matthew 16, 26, when Christ says, what will a woman profit if he or she gains the whole world or he himself or she herself is destroyed or lost? Or he asked the question, what will a man or a woman give in exchange for his or her soul? Now, in in Genesis 2-7, when Christ formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into him, and the man became a living being or a living soul, like I said earlier, when Christ or the Lord God breathed into the nostrils of the man from the dust of the ground, he had life in him. Then when Christ breathed the bodies of God, the three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, huh, who is Christ and the Holy Spirit, we find in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, that God created and made in Genesis 1, 26 and 27 on the sixth day from out of Genesis 1, 1. These are the bodies that made a man became a living soul. Come on. Now we are going to have to prove that through scriptures. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, Eve huh, ate from the tree, of not, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, seeing that the food was pleasant to the eyes. She gave to her husband Adam, and he ate. And the both of their eyes was open, and I asked the questions, if their eyes was already open, what was their eyes open to? Or what was their eyes open from? <laughs> and they knew that they was, and they knew that they was naked. In Luke 24, 31, when both of the disciples' eyes was open, when Christ blessed and blessed the bread and broke the bread and he gave them the bread, huh? Their eyes was open when Christ gave it to them. But they knew him. But in Genesis 3, 6, and 7, when they ate from the unforbidden tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they both were naked. Now we see, now we see exactly why these two opening eyes event ties into each other. Now, when Adam and Eve was open, when Adam and Eve's eyes was open in Genesis 3, verse 6 and 7, they lost their soul. Or they lost the portion of the bodies of God that Christ breathed into them when they became a living soul. When they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the bodies of God, which he created and made on the sixth day from out of Genesis 126 and 127 from the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1-1 was removed from Adam and Eve's body. They lost the body of God that Christ breathed into them to have eternal life and live forever. And when that happened, they found themselves naked and without the spirit of the bodies of God, he made and created in his own image and his own likeness on the sixth day and found themselves in a body that was from the earth. 
that had to be born again. Because in Genesis 1-2, the earth was contaminated and the Spirit of God that hovered over the waters on the face of the deep, the Spirit of God baptized the earth, but the earth had the knowledge of good and evil. Huh? Now when Adam and Eve was naked, they realized they had exchanged their souls, which is the bodies of God, the bodies of Christ, as the world and the body of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God in these bodies that God created and made on the sixth day out of the heavens and the earth and then God rested on the seventh day. So in retrospect, when Adam and Eve eyes was open, they, they knew they were naked. They had actually lost their souls or they actually lost their bodies of God that made them became or become a living soul. So they exchanged their souls or they exchanged the bodies of God for a piece of fruit. They exchanged the body of God for the unbidden fruit that they ate. Hmm? And when their eyes was open, Adam and Eve had stepped from out of eternity into time. Come on, you got to be kidding me. Now, when we clearly see when Christ breathed into man's nostrils, the man was alive. And we clearly see why Christ in Luke 9.25 and Matthew 16.26 asked the question, which demands an answer to every Christian and believers who say they love God. We clearly see now why he asked the question, what will a man or what will a woman give in exchange for his or her soul? You do know that it was Christ who formed man from the dust of the ground. I know we've been taught all our all throughout our ministry that God formed man from the dust of the ground. That is a lie and that is not true. And the reason it can't be true is because after God made and created man in his own image and in his own likeness from out of the heavens and the earth and created in the beginning, that he created in the beginning from Genesis 1.26 and 127, watch this here, poetess is heavy. He rested on the seventh day. And if God rested on the seventh day, the man that the Lord God formed from the dust of the ground on the seventh day could not have been God. The podcast from the promise of our father, which titles the name, the Lord, the Lord God, and the Lord Jesus. Huh? Breaks it down completely. So if you get the chance to go back and listen to it, it's a very powerful and illuminating message. So now in Genesis 2, 7 and throughout the entire chapter is where, is where Christ was giving Adam the instructions on what he should and should not eat. It was Christ also the Lord God that put the man in the Garden of Eden.
It was Christ as the Lord God that said it was not good for man to be alone. It was Christ who put man in a deep sleep and pulled the rib from out of a woman and called it and put the rib from out of a out of a man and called it woman. It was Christ who pulled the woman from out of the man and made it the church. Come on, that glory. It was Christ in the body of the Holy Spirit that God made and created in his own image. And likewise, on the sixth day, it was Christ as the Lord God who was in the body of Jesus, who came through the six-inch doors that were shut. And he breathed on them. And in the book of, in the book of Luke, 2431 ties into the book of Genesis in the beginning in Genesis chapter 3 verse 6 through 7 if their eyes was open to time and they had the knowledge of the tree of good and evil let's see what their eyes was open to in Luke 2431 there were three things that happened here the eyes was open, they knew him, and he vanished. Oh, brothers, that sounds good. I'm almost dying. When Christ broke bread and blessed the bread, he gave it to the disciples. He connects us back into John 6.53, mm -hmm, what it says. Christ was teaching his disciples, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, I need to stop here parenthetically because the Son of Man and the Son of God is not the same sons. They are two different sons for two different entities because the Son of Man is Jesus. Jesus, but the Son of God. So now he's teaching us in, the, in Luke chapter 6, verse 53, he says you have no life if you don't have the Son of Man. Because the Son of Man, all you have to do to break life in you is to confess with your mouth and to believe with your heart. Huh? If you confess with your mouth, huh? And believe in your heart that God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. That's in the last message. The Lord Jesus from the dead. That's the message of the Lord, the Lord God, and the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. If you confess. So therefore, if you don't even have him, you have no life in you. But in the next verse, in John 6, 54, it transitioned and transformed the body of Jesus into the body from the Son of Man to the body of the Son of God. When he became the Son of God as Jesus, he had to come from out of the Son of Man to get into the Son of God. So in John 6, 54, it says, but this time he speaks of himself as the Christ. But early in the previous verse, he talked about the Son of Man flesh and drank his blood. Now this bring only very interesting meaning huh? to those who know the difference in the Son of Man and the Son of God. Because the Son of Man is Jesus, as I said earlier, or the Holy Spirit. And the Son of God, who he referred to as myself in John 6.54, is the Christ. In John 6.53, when he speaks of eating the flesh of the Son of Man and drinking his blood, Christ is not teaching his disciples to be cannibals. 
He's actually teaching them if you do not have the knowledge of the water and the blood and the flesh of the body that Jesus came in to become his son, to become the son of God that they are referring to in 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 5, which says, Who is he who overcomes the world, but he or she who believe that Jesus is the Son of God? In this instance, Christ has caused Jesus to become the Son of God because Jesus has started eating and eating the flesh of God through Christ and the flesh of God and drinking the blood of God through Christ. So now he has become the Son of God. He's not referred to as the Son of Man. He's now, if we believe, the process has become the Son of God. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus, who is the Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. It is the spirit who bear witness of the water and the blood because the water, huh, because the spirit is true. So if you don't eat the flesh of the son of man or drink the blood of the son of man, or have the knowledge of the water and have the knowledge of the blood huh? and have the knowledge of the flesh of the Son of Man, you cannot inherit it. The kingdom of God. Come on. But the next verse tells it all because even Jesus had to eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of God. Come on. You hear what I'm saying? So now, my brothers and sisters, we're at a place where we're going to have to explain this in such a way where it opened up the scriptures. Because whatever they ate as the bread opened their eyes up to the Son of God. Hallelujah. So now, brothers, so when they ate in the next verse, because something from out of the supernatural took place when, he, when we eat the flesh and drink the blood of Christ. In John 6.54, whoever eats my flesh as Christ and drinks my blood as Christ has eternal life. And I will raise him at the last day. I will raise her at the last day. This last day ain't the last day that you suppose. The last day is saying you're going from out of time back into eternity. So now the bread that we eat from God from out of heaven, the living living bread of God, the living bread of Christ that we eat from out of heaven. So what it does in the last day, it takes us from out of time and it converts us back into eternity. When Adam them ate and their eyes was open, they left from out of time, eternity, and stepped into time. So now Christ has come and showed up on the scene as the bread. And he says, if you eat of this bread that is within you, the kingdom of God, if you drink of my blood that is within you, he says, you shall inherit it, the kingdom of God, because now your eyes has opened up to eternal life. My brothers and sisters, so understanding the doors that were shut, the bodies that came through the doors that were shut, bring us to, brings us into eternal life. 
My brothers, I'm so I'm falling before in the podcast right now. We're gonna pick up on part two, but I want you to understand the purpose of their eyes being open. They stepped from out of time, and their eyes was open into eternity. And when he breathed on them, the Holy Spirit, ain't glory. He breathed the spirit of him and the spirit of God upon them. He breathed the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. The three that bear witness from heaven. As the Father has sent me, I send you. Glory be to God. Hey, glory. He says, I'm breathing on you. These bodies. Do you believe you've been sent? Do you believe you've been called? My brother, this is Pastor D coming to you live from out of Atlanta, Georgia. This is the Promise of Our Father podcast. We're going to get down a little bit more with it, and we're going to continue because we got some stuff that we got to get to. This is just explaining us to the foundation we're trying to get to from out of Genesis 1-1 and from out of Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. So we still got so much more to go but the the kingdom of God that is within you and the reason their eyes was open because their eyes was open into eternity. They now understand eternal life. All that he had explained to them, he says, now I got someone that I can teach the eternal glory of my spirit. So the next 40, to 50, 40, day, 40 days he spent on the earth, he was teaching the glory of the kingdom of God. So the glory and the righteousness, so now we got to get to the place where he's going to add these bodies to us. Amen. This is Pastor D coming to you live from out of Atlanta, Georgia. Tune in to the next time. We thank you. If you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us at PastorDW at Yahoo.com. PastorDW at Yahoo.com. There's a hotline that you can call, and any one of the spiritual cuts leaders most likely will pick up the call. So if you have any questions and anything pertaining to the spirit of the message that God has given you, you can call 678-764-1614, 678-764-1614. Or you can text us or you can email us at PastorDW at yahoo.com. That's P-A-S-T-O-R-D-W at yahoo.com. Thank you, and tune in next time. Amen. <laughs>